My name is Agnes, but my friends call me Mr. Pesto. Welcome to the show, Moonlighting fans. Whether you're a Moonlighting fan from way back when, or whether you are new to Moonlighting and you want to learn more about it because you want to know what all the hype is about, you have come to the right place. Hi, I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna, and we're your hosts for the podcast that is all about Moonlighting. When we talk about Moonlighting, we're talking about the Emmy Award-winning 80s TV series starring Bruce Willis and Sophia Shepard. So if you're a fan of theirs, you're going to want to stay tuned as we review all 66 episodes. I hope you enjoy this journey with us because we are going to be watching the series episodes one by one and discussing them every two weeks. This is going to take several years, as you can imagine. So please join us because we are going to have so much fun along the way. That's right. And we really want to include our Moonlighting fans in this project as much as possible. So write to us and let us know what your thoughts are. And even if you have some trivia to disclose, our email address is fans at moonlightingthepodcast.com. And we will include you in our future episodes. So stay with us. Shauna and I are beyond excited to finally bring Moonlighting into the 21st century for some serious discussions. You up for it, Shauna? I sure am. Well, let's Let's get get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Moonlighting the Podcast. Hi, Shauna. Hi, Grace. How are you today? I'm well, and how are you? Not bad, doing pretty good. This episode is called Next Stop Murder. It is season one, episode six. I can't believe we're up to episode six already. I know, we're already almost through um, the first season. Yes. Um, It was directed by Kevin Connor. It was written by Ali Marie Matheson and Kerry Erin. And it first aired on March 26, 1985. The synopsis of this episode... Mr. Pesto wins a competition to join a murder on the Orient Express inspired crime game in a train created by her favourite crime author, J.B. Harland. She is accompanied by Maddie and David to Central Station because she doesn't want to leave her car there overnight. Due to David's antics on the train, Maddie and David miss leaving the train before it starts off and now have to stay on it since it won't stop for the next 24 hours. While the train is in motion, J.B. Harland is murdered. Now everyone on the train is suspicious of each other and Maddie and David are left to solve the crime. This episode concludes with a showdown atop the moving train with the killer trying to escape. Yeah, a lot of fun. Mystery train and some guest stars. So tell us about them, Grace. I'm really excited about these guest stars. The first guest star is Vincent Chiavelli, or you could say it's Schiavelli. I'm not sure how he used to say it, but you could say it either way. He was born in November 1948 in Brooklyn, and unfortunately, he passed away in December 2005 in Sicily. He was born Vincent Andrew Chevalli, and his nickname was the man with the sad eyes. His height was six foot four and a half inches, which in our metric system here is 1.95 meters. Wow, six four. Who did he play? What character? He played Rodney Dillon. Rodney. Yes. Okay. He was married to Agnes in real life. That's right. So he was married to Elise Beasley. But I did a quick bit of research about that because at the time of this episode, I don't think they were married yet. 
Okay. Right? Because the episode aired in March 85, but they were yeah. married in August. Oh, okay. Her boyfriend at the time. Vincent Chiavelli, selected in 1997 by Vanity Fair as one of the best character actors in America, had made over 120 film and television appearances. He studied acting at NYU's theatre program. Aside from his acting career, Vincent was the author of three cookbooks and has written numerous articles on food for magazines and newspapers. And in 2001, he received the James Beard Journalism Award. And I'm assuming for his Italian background, I'm assuming they're Italian recipes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. He's a multi-talented person. He was. His trademark is large, droopy, owl-like eyes. Often played Italian-American characters, his balding head, his towering height, and he was frequently cast in Milos Forman films. Mm, yeah. He has like a very unique look. Yeah, real character actor. Definitely had seen him in other things. I didn't know they were married, though, um, until kind of recently. I did a little bit of research regarding his appearance because he actually suffered from Marfan syndrome. And it's a genetic disorder of the body's connective tissue. People who have it, it mostly affects their heart, their eyes, their skeleton, and their lungs. Marfan syndrome features can include a tall and slender build, disproportionately long arms, legs, and fingers, abnormally curved spine. They can have heart murmurs, flat feet, stuff like that. So I'm not sure if a lot of people knew that, but that's the reason for his distinct look. Okay, so Vince got his role as a TV executive in Man on the Moon in 1999. That was a great movie. And he got that from his few appearances with Andy Kaufman on Taxi in 1978. He has one son with Elise, and his name is Andrea Chavelli. He's also in the business. You know, Elise was pregnant around the same time Sybil was. I think she had her baby maybe just a month before. So it was, yeah, interesting. And how long was he married to Elise? I think I looked it up one time and they weren't married for all that long. Yes, they were married from August 85 to November 88. They were only married three years. Oh, wow. Right around the time she had the baby, they were divorcing. Interesting. Yeah. And because of his Marfan syndrome, um, he was an honorary co-chairman of the National Marfan Foundation until his death. Another little bit of trivia. He shared his November 11 birthday with his ghost co-star Demi Moore. Vincent's career began in 1970 uh, with a few short films and so forth, but there's a lot of crossovers again. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Starsky and Hutch, Charlie's Angels, Heart to Heart. Uh, He was in Amadeus. Oh, really? Mm, He was Soleri's valet. Benson, who's the boss, Punky Brewster, and, of course, Moonlighting. He's accredited for two episodes. Well, actually, he's accredited for one episode, but unaccredited for Twas the Episode Before Christmas because he was in the crowd when they were waving. Oh, was he? Okay. Remington Steele, Cagney and Lacey, MacGyver, Matlock, Knott's Landing, Miami Vice, the usual made, suspects. <laughs> he made the rounds. Yeah, yes. he did. I loved his character in this. Yes. And seeing we discussed a bit about Vincent, I'll just go briefly. I won't go too far in, but I'll go a little bit into Elise. Her birth name was Elise Tannenberg. She was born in July 51 in Brooklyn, New York, and says here she's mainly known for moonlighting in 1985 and legally blonde in 2001 and loaded weapon one in 1993. There's a lot of East Coasters in this. There uh, is, isn't there? Almost everybody's from the East Coast. 
Yeah, well, she used to, yeah, she used to go to high school with Glenn. That's, oh, that's right. That's right. That's yeah. How, yeah, because when she went into audition, she said to him, we used to go to high school <laughs> together. And he's yeah. like, oh, yeah. he didn't know. And something else I didn't know about Elise is that she's a breast cancer survivor. Oh, really? The next guest star we're going to talk about is Rick Jason. And Rick Jason played the role of J.B. Harland. He goes way back to 1953. That was his first role in Sombrero. He was in things like, you know, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Rawhide, Combat. He was in The Young and the Restless, (laughs) Wonder Woman, Fantasy Island. Mm -hmm. But in 85, he was J.B. Harland. And he was also in Murder, She Wrote. Yeah, so a little bit of trivia about Rick Jason. He spoke Spanish, French, Italian, and Chinese. Very talented young fella. Yes. He was six foot four. Wow. Yeah. And you could tell that because he towered over Bruce in those scenes. Yeah, that's true. And we don't see him much, but when he's in those scenes, he did make an impression. So, yeah, yeah, he was born in New York in 1923 and unfortunately passed away in October 2000 in California. Yeah, he wasn't in it much, was he? That's kind of funny. Mm. Okay. Yeah. He was dead pretty quick, so that's why he wasn't. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, we weren't expecting for him to be murdered, but anyway. Our next special guest is Leonard Frey. I'm not sure if it's Frey or Fry. F-R-E-Y. I'm excited about this one because he was in one of my favourite movies, Fiddler on the Roof. Oh, okay. Yep. And he played Motel. Motel? Oh, okay. Motel. Yeah, he was the... um, the tailor. Yeah, he was born in September 38 in Brooklyn and unfortunately passed away in August 88 in New York. He made his stage debut in an off-Broadway production of Little Mary Sunshine. He is probably best known for the role of Motel, the timid tailor in Fiddler on the Roof in 1971. This performance landed him a nomination for a supporting actor Oscar. He continued to work on stage, in films and on TV throughout the 1970s and 80s but he never again attained the level of critical success he enjoyed in Fiddler on the Roof. Yeah, because while I was watching it, I've always known his face. There's a lot of actors out there, you know their face and you just can't think where you've seen them before. But because he'd aged, I could not work it out. And then while I'm doing the research, I'm like, oh, my God, it's Motel. Oh, yeah. Next, we have Lisa Blake Richards, who played Janet. She has 58 actor credits. She goes back to 1969. She did mainly TV series. She was born in May 41 in New York, and she's known for The Last Case of August T. Harrison, Dark Shadows, The Vampire Curse in 66, and Mr. Mum in 83. Now we have Ben Slack, and he played Benjamin Rhodes. He goes back to 73. He was in Serpico, Kojak, and all the other TV series that I have mentioned in the past episodes of our podcast. <laughs> yeah. And Murder, She Wrote. He was had two roles in Murder, She Wrote as well. Lois and Clark, NYPD Blue. Yeah. A bingo card. They had to go check all the boxes. and. <laughs> yeah. It's like they had to had a little card and they had to check. Right. I've yeah. done this show. I've done that show, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it was building a resume type of thing get to be an extra on all those shows and you know you start building your credits there was less on tv back then you know yeah and unfortunately ben passed away in december 2004 um, okay. but that's ben the director kevin connor 
he was born in July 1937, but he actually goes back to 1974 with all the usual suspects again, Heart to Heart, Remington Steel, Moonlighting. He only did this episode. Yeah, I don't recognise his name at all as far as uh, directors. Yeah, the last thing I can see is 2017, which was a TV movie, but there's something else that's been announced that he's doing. Great. All right, Shauna, let's get started on talking about Next Stop Murder. Would you like to begin? Sure, love to begin. Okay, so as we get into this episode, it opens with Maddie crunching numbers on her calculator. And she really doesn't like what she's seeing when those numbers come flying out of the machine, does she? (laughs) She really doesn't. Can I say something about that? (laughs) Yeah, go ahead. Of course. Okay, so she's crunching the numbers on the calculator and I'm watching what she's doing. I'm watching what she's pressing. You know me, I have to check everything, okay? I know, I know, yes, yes. Now, the figures that came up on the calculator, if they were on my calculator and that was the income of my detective agency, I would not be complaining. (laughs) Okay, the first figure that comes up is $552.98. Okay. She presses the either the plus or the total ballot, which doubles it or times it by 10. Next figure is $5,529,800. And she's still whinging, okay? Then she presses it again and it comes up $11,859,600. <laughs> and she puts up the thing and says, Addison, we need a case. You really don't. You can retire, love. <laughs> yeah, but are you sure that that was what they made and not what they owe? I don't think that's what they owe. Couldn't possibly owe 11 million. (laughs) Sorry, I just thought it was hilarious. Yeah, 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 true. Trying to make out that she's adding things up and I'm like, nah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. We're just like pressing numbers, yeah. Sorry, Sybil, you didn't do a good job at pressing those buttons. (laughs) (laughs) No, it should have been like 10,000, right? Um, That's funny that. Grace, I depend on you for that kind of information. For sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so she's not happy. But, you know, David, he's standing in the um, inner doorway, looking very handsome. Every time he does stand in the doorway, I may, might add. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, just being kind of light and glib. Hey, kid, glum up. Can't be that bad, you know. <laughs> not taking anything seriously, as David Addison tends to do. We need a case. A case of what? <laughs> case of what? Right. Yep. Is he talking about alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Yeah, exactly. Or uh, STD or something like that. He's just kind of making light and she's serious. That's so Maddie and David. It's funny. He starts naming all of the reasons they might get a case. He starts talking about, you know, the Ford housewife. Right now, some bank teller is thinking about the big grab. Some frustrated housewife is staring at a steak knife, contemplating her husband Harvey's clavicle. Some poor relations thinking about Uncle Stanford's millions and how the doctor said he'd be dead within three months, four years ago. Our case is out there. It's just fermenting. He starts the theme of the flower in the hand. So he picks the flower from the vase, and that's the first flower that's held. Yeah. But before that, I just want to mention there's a great shot, which I don't think we see it very often. The wall behind Maddie has obviously been removed for the camera, but it's a wide shot from behind Maddie to David of the whole office. I like that shot. 
Yeah, yeah, we don't often see like a long shot of um, Blue Moon from her office. Hmm. And um, I like her outfit, her pastel. Yes, me too. I love uh, Maddie and me's. It's uh, kind of a skirt and blouse. Mm. I don't know what you call it, but um, skirt and blouse combo, which I think is very, yeah, it looks really good on her in those colors and everything, the soft colors. And it buttons up at the back. It's really lovely. Yes, kind of. And it has a higher neck, doesn't it? Yeah. Actually, her back is shown a lot in this episode. Yeah. Interesting. The whole thing with the flower, now that we're talking about it, reminds me a little bit of like passing that coffee cup back and forth between everybody. I wonder if um, in these early episodes, maybe they felt like they had to have an extra thing going on as far as like the coffee cup or the flower and passing things around, or maybe they wanted another layer of comedy going on or something, something to watch. I don't know. But yeah, there was something with that flower for sure. Yeah, because he's Um, saying cases are are on their way to us, basically. You know, they're fermenting. They're going to be walking in the door. Things are happening in the background. You just can't see them. There's a case waiting to happen, and we just have to give it some time, basically. Yes. And then right as he says, there'll be a scream, right? Kind of like setting a scene of maybe a murder, and suddenly we hear the pesto scream. Even as we speak, the spurned lover of some lustful lad is picking up a revolver, pointing it at her former beloved's brain. He turns, sees his mistress, sees the gun as a scream. Addison. Not bad. Do you think that's her scream? Elise Beasley's? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, I didn't really um, go back and play it. I just thought of it then. I'm thinking, oh, I wonder if it was for her screaming. Because you know how yeah. sometimes they just add things in post? Yeah, that's true. They may have had a insert. I bet they had her standing off somewhere and, and screaming because they kind of reacted to it in the moment mm. more than like adding it later. So I would say, yeah. And then um, they race into the main room. Now, you know, what really dawned on me this time watching it is, and I never thought about it before, but this was the first DePesto episode before they went like full DePesto episodes where we would just get a little cameo of Maddie and David and then DePesto would take over the rest. I think this episode was clearly made to give Maddie and David or Sybil and Bruce a rest in a way where we're going to focus on someone else other than Maddie and David, give her a little bit more of a role, have some other characters and have Sybil and Bruce have scenes with other people. Yeah, that's right. And I'm glad they did that because I really like the DePesto episodes. I think they should have used her more often, not only to give them a break, but I think it's great including her in the storyline. I really like the storyline. And it's believable. Yeah. Yes, yes. This is a very good way. I mean, it's perfect. Murder on the Orient Express kind of movies. And they're fun, you know, or like Clue or something like that, where you have a cast of characters all coming together from different walks of life. A murder happens. Everybody has to come together to solve it. It is fun and it does serve Moonlighting well. It serves them well here, definitely. And I definitely think that Elise should have a bigger role. I think you and I will disagree a little bit on the DePesto episodes. I don't love them all but we'll get to those as we come to them. Part of that is just always wanting Maddie and David on screen, but can't always have that. And they did need a break. Yeah, it's the perfect vehicle, though, for a detective agency. And, of course, now Agnes is in a trance. Yeah. (laughs) Hello, Agnes. She does this so well. She walks across the room with the envelope. Yeah, that guy that explains to them why she screamed, he was in the last episode. But I don't think we see, I'm not sure if we see him again. But, yeah, it was good that he got a speaking part. So he actually got a little credit at the end of the show. Uh, yeah, um, he kind of looked familiar. Maybe I just recognize him from 
other scenes in Moonlighting, but um, he did look I good. Think his, I think his name was Michael Dawdy, D-A-W-D-Y. And I looked him up, but there's not much there I could find. So he's done a few things. He's the one that said she was just standing there asking for people for words that rhyme with detective. And David, did anyone suggest effective? <laughs> um, you're not going to believe this, but I only yeah. got that joke six months ago. But I, th- I just thought he was being silly. Yeah. And then about six months ago, I'm sitting there watching it and I'm like, oh, he's talking about detective and effective. Well, wait, did he say, wait, defective or effective? I thought he said effective. Oh, I thought he said defective. <laughs> did anyone suggest effective? It probably sounds like it. Oh, actually, no. The subtitles say effective. Who knows? We need the script. Yeah. Send the script over, please. Yep. Yep. But we need to double check on that one. Oh, but that's Um, funny. What I noticed too was when she opens the envelope. Yeah. She opens the envelope in front of a man. Uh huh. I don't think it's David. The tie is right, but I don't think the shirt's right. So she opens the envelope in front of a man's chest that's supposed to be David's, but as you look closer, it's probably not actually Bruce. It doesn't match. It doesn't seem to match. The tie seems to be right, but not the shirt and the jacket. But yeah, I could have used anybody for that, really. I think a lot of times when they did those inserts, it's not them because, you know, it takes time to do the setup and everything. Why should they be there for it if you're only seeing a chest, right? That's right. She's been invited to a murder mystery. She's been invited to J.B. Harlan's yearly murder mystery train, which is pretty exciting. That is exciting. She says she's invited to the murder train, winner of the Murder Mystery Magazine's essay contest, and it's a 24-hour train trip bound for nowhere. And four of his closest friends plus the person who wins get to go on the train. She goes and hugs everybody and she hugs David and she hugs Maddie and then Maddie and David hug because they're so excited. Did you notice that? I know, yeah. I love that they're so excited for her. Yeah. A lot of times it's like they're her parents, you know, or they're like the workers are their kids and they're the parents there. They have dialogue sometimes that acts that out. They're just always so happy for her and they're happy that she's excited to go on this train i want to go on that train that sounds fun i want to win a 24-hour trip on a train to nowhere solving a murder mystery yeah it is a really fun setup i will say that she does set up the scene that her invitation must have been lost in the mail because she's only got it today which must be a friday right tomorrow obviously is saturday when the train leaves and that's why maddie says i've got plans when she asks for a lift yeah david says maddie will drive you he goes say no more maddie will be glad to drive oh, you down saturday, there saturday night i have plans haven't you heard a midnight mass oh. <laughs> i know that was that was really funny yeah haven't you heard a midnight mass yeah and she's kind of rolling her eyes there's some fun dialogue in there too where even when uh, agnes opens it and he said she says it's from him and he's like him looking up and yeah a few like god references you know yeah there's some convoluted things i guess um that they have to set up quickly like she suddenly has to go on this trip and it's tomorrow she doesn't want to leave her car at the station, so they're going to drive her. You know what I mean? They're, they have to find a way, I guess, to like get everybody to that train station. And what I noticed was that this setup was only four minutes. In four minutes, they're already at Union Station. So I don't know why I do that, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, so it's four minutes in. They're already at Union Station. It's already been set up that... She's won this competition. It's already been decided that they're going to be giving her a lift there. Boom, boom, boom. Four minutes, done. Yeah. 
Yes, exactly. They just had to um, kind of set up the, the plot very, very quickly. It's obvious that David is making sure that she does not go out Saturday night by making sure that they both give her a lift to the station. He's always got these little things he does to stop her from doing things. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he's going to stick right with her, especially once he finds out that she's got plans. And the other thing is, well, that's surprising. I guess that David doesn't have plans. You think David's uh, weekends would be full of parties. So they're at the train station. And my first question is, it is Saturday night. Now, Maddie's all dressed up to go out as Maddie, you know, in her like um, typical Maddie fashion, right? Hair on top of the head, glittery dress, fur coat. And David's wearing a suit. Why is David wearing a suit on a Saturday? Oh, didn't think of that. Shouldn't he be in some more casual clothes? Later, I guess, in other episodes, we see him in more casual clothes, like a sweater and slacks or something. But it's just funny to me that he's wearing a suit on a Saturday at the train station to just to drive to Pesto and then drop Maddie off at the opera. Is that where she's going? Yeah, she's going to the opera. And he thinks she's going to see cats. <laughs> but it's so um, funny sharing a car thing. I guess this is these are the logistics of sharing that BMW together. You know, if you just think about it, it's just funny. They have to pick up DePesto and drive her to the train station and not just drop her off, go inside. And then he was going to drive Maddie and drop her off. So I had a whole carpool thing going on. Yeah. And you're right about him wearing a suit, but a lot of TV shows do that. They've got this image thing going on where the character can't be wearing anything else. You know, it's like when I watch Frasier, 99% of the time, him and Niall was wearing a suit. Yeah. Um, you watch CSI Miami, Horatio, David Caruso, he's always in a suit. Yeah. It's like they don't want to disappoint the fans getting them out of character or something. Can you imagine that scene, yeah. though, them at Union Station and him showing up with jeans and a T-shirt? <laughs> a T-shirt, yeah. I no, no. Saying medicate me. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be funny, that'd be David. I'm saying like even just slacks and a sweater. It's just funny. It's a Saturday and he's in a suit. I mean, we never really found out where he was going, you know. But um, Grace, before we go any further, we uh, skipped right past a great line that is a very moonlighting catchphrase, um, which is DePesto saying, You guys are great. In fact, you're better than great. You're great, great. Not just great. It's better than great. It's great, great. When she leaves the office. Yeah, so great, great. Um, any moonlighting fan knows and uses quite a bit great great and also um before they went to the train station um passing that flower back and forth which you said that started in maddie's office and there were some different cuts um where he was holding the flower and then maddie was holding the flower and then right at the end of the scene he hands her the flower again yeah, yeah. he hands it back at the end of the scene yeah agnes says her rhyme because she's so excited that she's won my luck is on the rise i listen as fate cries the time is here, so give it here. The Pesto won a prize. Yes, the Pesto won a prize. So yeah, lots of cute things. And really the first time now that we're watching it back from the beginning, like one of the first times that we're really here back in 1985, this is one of the first times that we're really getting to know more about Agnes. Up until now, we've really only gotten like short little snippets of Agnes. But they're using her more, which is awesome. I'm glad they did. Agnes says that, She's told them that she works for a detective agency and that's probably why they chose her. And then there's a shot of Maddie saying, obviously you thought right, right? Yeah. And it's just obvious it was done at another time or 
just the mm. way she says it. It's another shot where she's been filmed in diffusion. Yeah. Still, she looks beautiful. Yeah, maybe they wanted a reaction, set that up later or something. Yeah. Yeah, right. yeah but it's more of a close-up. I can picture it. It's more of a close-up, heavy diffusion. And... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so Maddie's all dressed up. David's in a suit. DePesto's kind of dressed like Little Red Riding Hood with her cape. I love her outfit in this episode. She looks absolutely gorgeous. So cute. Yeah, she's a very cute Agnes DePesto, yes. And uh, the interaction between Maddie and David at the train station is, it's like they're getting closer, I guess. It is almost like they would hang out together on the weekend or something. I don't know. Did you notice? Uh, well, of course you noticed, but um, <laughs> Agnes walks away for a second and then she says she feels like Cinderella. And David says that would make us mice to Maddie. And he takes her arm and he pulls her like over to him. Right. And they're, you know, always standing very close and all of that. But then at the same time, there's a woman that walks by and he clearly checks out the other woman. And Maddie looks as well, you know, and kind of like rolls her eyes at him. And so it's like, He's pulling, you know, Maddie next to him. He's flirting with Maddie heavily and then checking out another woman right in front of her. Probably make her jealous. I don't know. And then when DePesto walked away, he circles Maddie, you know, wants to devour her basically like a piece of meat to him. He's just like looking her up and down and can't get enough of like how great she looks, you know. Going back, when he looks at the girl that's walking past, she is the same extra that's in... The murders in the mail. Now, Millie. so first of all, he notices her, Maddie's not happy, and you watch the girl. She goes all the way around the back of the room and she goes and stands against this wall and just stands there for no reason whatsoever. But anyway, she just stands there. <laughs> okay. And I've noticed her in the murders in the mail because when the plane crashes and that guy walks in and he realises he was supposed to be on that plane She's actually walking past the journalists towards the camera and she's got this big hat on. So it's the same girl. Interesting. Yeah. So keep an eye out for her when we watch next week's episode. With David, yes. He's intrigued as to why she's dressed up so beautifully. Wants to know everything about her date. Do you have to cut up his food for him? Obviously referring to the pilot. Yeah. So he, (laughs) he's... I think his mind is churning. He's thinking, I've got to stop her from going to this date. She looks too good. Where is she going to end up tonight? And what does this guy look like? Where are you going? What's he like? Then he makes up just to cover his feelings, makes up this thing about, you know, going to cats and coughing up fur balls. Can this guy eat without you cutting his food up first? I didn't come here to talk about my private life. I came here to see a friend off and get a lift to the theatre. The theatre. Let me guess. This guy got your fifth row center tickets for cats. He's got an in backstage. After the show, you can go back, scratch the cats between their ears while they cough up fur balls. That's hilarious. I know. <laughs> yeah, that close up on, on him as he's like. Ah. But I think once he gets on the train, he's got it all worked out. He knows what he's going to do. Yeah. And she's hurrying him a little bit, but not too much. She's keeping her eye on the time, but she's not um, running off the train either. But yes, he definitely has it all worked out. I liked her interaction at the train station. It's just very like banterous. She's kind of giving him the cold shoulder, but you know, she likes the flirtation as well. And he's checking out somebody else and she doesn't really like that. And he doesn't really like that. She's going to a show, you know, with somebody else and assumes that, you know, or has to put him down and say, he's probably like old enough that she has to cut up his food and all that stuff. And it's a 
definitely, you know, just more insight into their relationship. So then they get on the train. Oh, one thing I want us to keep an eye on, um, because I'm, I'm pretty sure now DePesto has luggage and she's rolling the luggage um, away as they go to get on the train. I believe this set of luggage appears in other episodes, maybe two or three other episodes as different people's luggage. Really? So it may have been, yeah, it may have been like a, just a prop that they had on set that they're, oh, pull out that luggage, you know? <laughs> oh I think God. it's like. I mean, how many things do I have to notice, Shauna? You're giving me too many things. <laughs> I know. Well, we're, we're going to keep an eye on it because, you know, it's not often that they bring out luggage, but there are some episodes where they have luggage. Oh. I'm going to have to check Murders in the Mail because he he shows up with his luggage at the airport. So yeah, it might be too. They might use that same set of luggage. It's a pretty distinct set of luggage because it's plaid. Yeah. Who has plaid luggage? Yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and also I thought too, I wonder if this was done in the middle of the night at Union Station. Is that a busy station normally? Yeah, I'd say it's a pretty busy station. I've only been over there once. Uh, I never took a train from there. I forget why I went over there. When I was there, it wasn't all that busy, but yeah, I'm sure they used it after it was closed at night or something. I've been to Union Station, but I was forced to because my girlfriend and I, back in 2015, went to Los Angeles and we stayed at a hotel next to Universal Studios and we ended up at Venice Beach, right? So we're on Venice Beach and we went there to see the sunset, got talking, we're eating, talking, we missed it. Right, forgot, forgot all about it. We missed the sunset. Oh no! At sorry, not at Venice Beach. At um, Santa Monica. Santa Monica. Right, but then we got a taxi to Venice Beach. It was not far down the road. Right, so <laughs> we're walking up and down Venice Beach, and it's getting dark. Then it starts getting a bit, you know, scary at Venice Beach at night. Oh god, <laughs> yes, yeah. Venice Beach is actually not a very nice beach. Yeah. Oh I mean, my god. Anyway, yeah. we had to try and work out how to get home. We couldn't work out how to get home. So I think we went yeah. to a bus stop and I don't know what was wrong. There's something wrong. We couldn't get Uber or something. I don't know. I can't remember. But yeah. we caught a bus and the we asked the bus driver. He said, get on, I'll sort it out. So he got us on. Mm. That was nice. Yeah, it was nice of him. Thank God for this bus driver. And then halfway he stopped and he gets off the bus and he has a smoker. And I'm thinking, what is this guy doing? Yeah. Anyway, he's having a smoker and he comes back. He calls us out and he goes, right. I've worked out what you, this is what he was doing. He had a smoker and he's thinking about what the best way to get us home, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Nice. so um, he goes, Yeah, this is what you got to do. I'll take you to, I think it was called Lincoln. The bus mm-hmm. stop was called Lincoln or something. I don't know. Go there. You got to catch this bus to Union Station. We had to go back into Union Station to get back out to Universal. Oh my and, gosh. And you know what? It cost $3.50 to get home. <laughs> Oh my gosh, it's amazing. A taxi would have like Oh, we didn't get home till midnight. It was terrible, but we were stuck there. Thank you, Mr. Bus Driver, whoever you are, that we finally got home. But Grace, I was living in Los Angeles in 2015, not far from Universal Studios. We could have seen each other across paths. Yeah. Oh, get out. We could have had a latte. Oh my gosh. Yes, we could have more than that. But uh, do you know that they filmed, what hotel did you stay at? Because they filmed a lot of Moonlighting episodes at like the um, Sheridan, the Universal Sheridan and things like that. I don't know what hotel you stayed at, but a lot yeah. of Moonlighting episodes were filmed. Yeah, I remember. There's two next to each other. There's a Universal Sheridan and another one. Yeah. 
Did you stay in those? Because that's, they filmed a lot of moonlighting episodes in those. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, you have to tell me later. And Yeah, I'll have to, I'll yeah. have to look up my paperwork. We had a great view of Universal from our window. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's fun. It was just the walk up to get up to the hotel. That was. Oh, my gosh, I know. It's yeah, so, it's like a top of the hill. It was great exercise. Anywho. <laughs> you know exactly what you're talking about. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Okay, so they help Agnes onto the train and into her cabin. And yeah, they have a little conversation with Agnes. And she kind of quickly runs off to see, I guess, to go and see um, about the other people on the train. First of all, there's a still shot of the train, the front of the train, but it moves a little bit. It actually moves. Mm-hmm. Notice mm-hmm. that. Yeah, so it's a private train. Um, I noticed the music, the transition music into that was like a harmonica. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a little different. So we're in Ag- Agnes's cabin, carpeted walls. She reads a letter from JB. My question was, how did they get on? If it's a private train, you would think she would be the only one allowed on there. And, you know, wouldn't they check? They'd be able to check if too many people are on the train. It's not like it's a crowded train and you can't count anybody. True. Yes. And as you said, Agnes leaves them alone, which is convenient for the scene. And yeah. he's trying his damnedest to keep her on the train. Oh, yeah. He's, uh, you know, she's saying, Addison, we better um, get going. She's kind of looking at her watch and um, she's more ready to go than he is. She's not really that insistent, but she's like reminding him that we need to go. But of course, you know, he has to press all the buttons and inspect everything and because it's there. Yeah. And then she says, isn't that a line from mountains and three minute miles? That's right. Yeah. But I don't I don't get that. Do you? Yeah. So. Because yeah. people say, why did you climb Mount Everest? Because it's there. Oh, because it's there. I see. Yeah, okay. that's why he said that. Yeah. And okay. So like, why, like, why'd you do a marathon? Because it's, it's like something to be done. Okay. I gotcha. I love his yeah. story about his mum. I know. Yes. And I wrote that too. It's like, we hear about David's mom later, but yeah, it's just a little insight into his life as a kid and him and his relationship with his mother. Yeah, him as a 10-year-old on his bike, and he is convinced that he caused the blackout in 1965 on the East Coast. Yes, and a little bit of insight about what kind of kid he was, that he was always leaving his light on, and his mom was always on him to turn the light off, and uh, some fun insight into David as a child. That's a rebel in me. I admit it. Uh (laughs) I like it when he says, too, I'm going to tell you something, and she says, Miracle of miracles. (laughs) I love that. In the, 
And the reason I'm laughing is because this is another reference to Fiddler on the Roof because Leonard Frey, who is Skylar Cantrell, actually sang this song in Fiddler on the Roof to his girlfriend, Zytel. The song is actually called Miracle of Miracles. Oh, really? Okay. Did you notice? Bruce, this is maybe one of his longest kind of monologues um, in the show so far. And the way he uses his hands constantly to tell the story, it's this and that and the other and this and that, you know, I've noticed that he, um, because the dialogue moves so fast, he had a stutter when he was younger. He moves his hands with, along with his mouth. And I think it helps keep everything measured and helps them get the, the dialogue out better. But I think that's one of the things that stutterers find is when they're acting, it's like takes them out of themselves and they're using a different part of their brain and therefore the stutter goes away, which is why they really like being on stage or acting or, yeah, I think it's a a workaround in a way. So he's telling the story that he has to get home before his mother gets home to turn his light off in his room, right? Yes. But when he gets there, he says, oh, my mum's still home, so now I'm going to get in trouble. So he just contradicted himself? Yeah. That part of the story I didn't get. My mom's still home, yeah. And before he was saying I had to get home before her. That's right. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah. So maybe um, they messed up on the words or, yeah, doesn't make sense. Mm. He should have said yeah. my mum got home before me or something instead of saying my mum's still home. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. We need a script on that one. Hand it down. Thanks. He pressed the button and it just went ding. <laughs> and she's like, that's the story? Sorry. <laughs> the <end of> this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Yeah. So yeah, funny. funny. I loved her reaction. And she was actually in the middle of his story. She'd had enough. Yeah. First of all, she went and opened the door and she's looking outside. She's not really listening. Shuts the I door. Know. And halfway through, she's like, oh, God, this story is still going on. I'm going to go and sit down. So she sat down and she's putting on her lipstick, thinking she's getting off the train, which she's not. You know, escape and get to her date soon. But, yeah, David, he's just always got a story to tell. And he's always talking her head off, which is why later in later episodes, she, whenever he's quiet, you know, that's not a good thing. And this next part is, yeah, just so funny and cute and him getting her to sit next to him on the bed. His voice changes. He's like syrupy all of a sudden. He's like, Maddie. <laughs> He's trying his damnedest. Don't tell you. I know. She does it though. You know, mm. she's not just like, come on, Addison. No, enough of your antics. No, I'm not going to, you know, sit on the bed and all these other things. Like we got to go. Let's move it out. He's like, come on, sit next to me. And she does it. They're both a little flirty. He's really trying hard to get her to chill. And I noticed when he pressed the wrong button, he actually did press the wrong button. So I checked that. The other thing is too, that if you look at the division, when the bed comes down, the division is only this wide. Sorry, listeners, you can't see what I'm doing with my hands, but it's only this wide, right? There's no way it would fit the both of them in there. No, I know. So obviously the partition moves, but you notice it when they come back out that it's sort of wavering a bit, that it's... It's a movable right. partition, obviously it is, but, yeah. but you actually see it for a split second at the end when they come back out. That it moves. Okay. Yeah. And, and the other funny thing is when the bed, when he presses the wrong button and, uh, you know, and did he do that on purpose? Of course. But when he presses the bed and the bed starts going up into the wall, she could have jumped off. I think there would have been enough time. 
But the other thing is too, when it goes up, one of them pushed the fur coat out. Yeah, yeah. Why would they do that? Yeah, I I don't know why she was pushing it. I think it was her. I think she was pushing the fur coat out. Yeah, I notice that every time I watch it and I don't understand why she is pushing the fur coat out. You didn't want to get stuck. You didn't want to fall in on you. Because when Agnes walks back in and, and looks at it, it's there, but it's different. Okay. You know what I mean? A little bit less fur is showing than when it yeah. the other scene. And we've got the usual banter when they go, yes, no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. It's Paul. It's Laura. It's Paul. It's Laura. And then we cut away to Rodney and DePesto. Yeah, so Agnes is sipping a soda. Rodney comes up and says, Miss, and then he sees her beautiful face and he's in love straight away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's like, are you talking to me? <laughs> and it's a great scene because in between the scene, the horn goes off on the train. It was like a symbol that, oh, my God, sparks are flying in this room. Right, right. Yeah, that's true. And yes. while she's talking to him, there's about five seconds there that you can tell Elise is trying not to laugh. Oh, really? You haven't noticed that? No, um, no. He's talking to her and he's looking in her eyes and she's like holding the, the can and she's looking at him and you can tell she's just about to burst out laughing because it's her boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, I know. It must be, must be kind of fun and kind of hard to yeah. take someone seriously when, yeah, you see them at home and in real life and then you're acting. Yeah, um, so it must have been fun for them to do. I think that was a great idea of Glenn's, I'm assuming, to like have him on and be her boyfriend. They, they're well matched. You know, they go together. And she's so quirky. My friends call me Mr. Pesto. Yeah, my name is Agnes, but my friends call me Mr. Pesto, which is like so backwards, but so Agnes. It's a lovely scene between them and it shows how blinking tall he is. Also, I really like the next scene where she runs out of the cabin down the corridor and it's a classic scene from old movies where She's running towards the camera and the camera is running towards her at the same time. So the camera and her are moving and they meet yeah. in the middle. So hmm. she must have had a spot where she had to stop. They must have been, they must have marked the floor or something. Yeah, sure. So that she met the camera right at that time. And it's a great shot. She looks gorgeous and she's so excited. She's met a lovely man. She backs up against the wall and is kind of like her breath is kind of taken away. And, you know, it's kind of like she's feeling this energy between them and she kind of has to run away from it, you know, because it's overpowering her a little bit because she says, well, I better go back to my room. And he's like, why? And she's like, I don't know. Yeah, I think she had to get away to catch her breath because Rodney, Rodney was taking her breath away. She walks out and Rodney sits down and goes, now, do you you know what he said? He said, uh, (laughs) he said one word. What did he say? (laughs) The thing is, it's not in English. That's why I'm wondering. A lot of Moonlighting fans won't understand what he said. Yeah, that's right. So he sits down in like, oh, my God, what a beautiful woman. And he goes, Madon. Yeah, Madon. Yeah. yeah I don't you know see exactly. that in, you know, I've heard it. Yeah. In Sopranos or Goodfellas or Italian movies. But yeah, yeah what does so it mean? All it is, it's a bit of blasphemy, actually. Um, oh. It's Madonna, the Madonna. Uh, right. But they go, Madon. Right. Uh, so it's like, wow. But religious people don't like it because it's like, well, you know, you shouldn't use her name like that. So that's what he says. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, I like it. And because he's from Sicily, he's cut off the end of the word. 
Yeah, okay. Because they've I all see. yeah, Italy all they've all got different accents, obviously. Mm. Okay, so we're back in the cabin. And they're still arguing. <laughs> what a surprise. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yeah. Maddie, on some level, just her life is so boring before she met David. This must be. <laughs> I know he drives her crazy, but it must be kind of fun. I agree. To- She's had so much fun. Since the pilot, she's had a ball, I reckon. She wouldn't view it that way. No, I know. She says, she says she doesn't like it. and But you've got this handsome guy running after you, you know, taking on, you know, getting you wrapped up in these adventures and arguing and solving cases and all these other things. All the things that, yeah, she's had a lot of fun. You know, we can see that even if she can't. But, yeah, it's funny when uh, they say, Agnes, we're in the wall. And the festa says, do you want me to leave? First of all, Agnes thinks she's talking to her grandmother. that's true that's true that's funny once she knew it was maddie and david and they were in the bed in the wall or whatever she didn't seem too surprised that they might be sleeping together no she goes well do you want me to leave (laughs) yeah exactly yeah anyway she presses the button lets them out maddie's hair's all disheveled and david's hand is on her thigh he's a cheeky bugger isn't he cheeky bugger yeah he'll take any opportunity so I found a goof in this scene. Did you find a goof? Um, tell me. Her shoe. When the bed comes down, her right leg has no shoe, but when she opens the curtain, she has the right shoe on. Oh, okay. Okay. She says, we're moving. Yeah, do we have to? My friends go to school. Then uh, she does say, this train is moving. Okay. So she's and- wearing the right one when she comes out of the wall, and then she's holding the right one no. in her hand? No. Okay. When the bed goes down, she's only wearing her left shoe. Okay. When she stands at the window to open the curtain, she's wearing the right shoe. Oh, okay. She walks out without one shoe on, one shoe off, out to go and see JB Harland in the other carriage. She's back to normal again. Yeah. And then Um, (laughs) David talks an iambic pentameter. (laughs) Does he? What did he say? When he says. Figure out a way to get me off this train. Oh, lady, I will gladly get you off this train. I will throw you off this train if necessary, but kindly refrain from any physical act that is not of an erotic nature. Yeah. Has no problem just grabbing him, throwing him around and all that stuff. Um, I noticed that she calls him Addison a lot in this episode. Addison, Addison. Yeah, I noticed that at the start when we hear Agnes's first scream. Yes, exactly. And she goes, Addison? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah. So I don't understand why they make that switch if there's a reason the writers do that where sometimes she calls him David and sometimes Addison yeah I I would love to know how that happened as well you know sometimes it's David 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 and sometimes it's Addison Uh, but yeah lots of Addison's here real classic moonlighting scene here I mean as far as um, if they you know have a montage of scenes this one's always included her grabbing him, you know, him, he's got a smart answer for everything that she says, you know, we're moving. Do we have to? All my friends go to the school. And as she says, I wasn't born yesterday, right? She knows what he's up to. Yes, exactly. And his response as well. It's true. I had lunch with her yesterday. If she'd been born, I'd have noticed. <laughs> when people say, I'm, uh, you know, I wasn't born yesterday, I want to give that response, you know, but it never fits in real life. <laughs> That's right. So she um, runs out of the cabin, one yeah. shoe off, one shoe on. And she gets to the carriage where the rest of the players are. And I love how she puts her face against the, the window and leaves a smudge of her nose before she opens the door. <laughs> um, kind of 
you know, not such a princess thing to do in a way, I guess. And um, David follows her saying, Maddie. The usual thing. And he makes the train sound. Oh, yeah. He's on cloud nine. He is so happy. Oh, my God. He's having a ball now. He's thinking. Oh, my God. Awesome. Yes. So it could be better than being trapped on a, you know, 24 hour train with Maddie Hayes and she's not going on her date and they get to, you know, spend time together. And yeah, he's so happy and she's so pissed. So now we're going to meet more of the characters for the murder mystery. I really like the introduction to JB because she's like, I want to know how to, if you can let me know who can help me get off this train. Yeah. And he turns the seat around and you know what? He's perfect for this part. Absolutely perfect casting dressed him well he even looks like a mystery writer yes i think everyone was well cast yeah cast the characters everyone um fits a different role yeah they, they are very similar to characters on the orient express but yeah um he was you know the towering fellow very imposing the way they dressed him you know in his tweed jacket and his vest and he was so yeah. tall and he acted like yeah. an author and you know very well versed. I thought he was a great character. I really liked him. I know it's too bad he uh, he didn't last longer. Yeah, kind of that distinguished gray type of guy. And he wanted to meet um, who he thinks is Agnes de Pesto, which is Maddie. So yeah, he's that's... disappointed that um, that he thinks Maddie is Agnes, but she's not. So then Agnes walks in t- in the timely manner and says that I'm Agnes, but you're the one in the photo. We will uh, talk about that photo when we when it comes up because I've got some comments on that as far as like, well, first of all, why would you send in that photo that has about six people in it? That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That could be anybody. But that's typical Agnes though, isn't it? You know, that's me there. Agnes. Yeah. You know, so JB is thinking that Maddie is named Agnes. Anyway, he, he thinks Maddie is the one that he invited on the train. His, ex-wife knows that she was the blue moon girl so it's kind of funny that jb didn't recognize maddie from any of her blue moon days but i guess different worlds yeah yes but let's talk about when they show a close-up of that photo yes is it one of my trivia questions no i have looked closely at this photo before (laughs) shocker i don't recognize what sybil or maddie is wearing um as being in any of the episodes, first of all. Well, I recognize the outfit and I've been trying to work out which episode it was. And I've, I started watching the episodes from the start, but I didn't get to this one. So I have seen that outfit. But okay, but here's the thing. We would have had to have seen that outfit by now, right? Because it's a picture that would have been taken before. That's right. So yeah, it's just, it's just weird to me that like, we haven't seen that outfit in any of the episodes so far. And I know it wasn't this week that I, you know, looked closely at that picture and thought about where was she wearing that in another episode. But I do kind of recognize it, like the belt or something. There's something to the outfit, but I don't think I've ever really seen it in an episode. But we'll we'll keep an eye along the way, Grace. It's something to add to the list to keep an eye. But wouldn't she have had to be wearing it by now? Because they would have had it's, to have that it's picture. white. Is it white? And the belt is yeah. She hasn't worn anything white. Look at the people in the background. Yeah, I don't recognize them either. I think this is my theory, okay? My theory is this was a picture taken at some kind of cast party. 
I'm not sure they were like, oh, let's get some people together and take a photo for this episode. I think they were like, what photo can we use? It has like the three of them in it. Oh, use that one. They have champagne. What's Bruce wearing in that? Is he looking, does he have a tie on? Is he looking more casual? No, he's dressed like that too. Okay. Okay. But who's the the woman behind them? To me, she looks like one of their agents or (laughs) casting director or something like that. I don't know. To me, it just looks like there's a cake and everything like that. Yeah, there's um, a cake and there's champagne. You know what? Sybil's birthday is in February. Because remember, they were filming since January. And Sybil's birthday is in February. I bet they had a cake for Sybil or something. And that's a picture from a little party they threw for her for her birthday or something. Yeah, but it's also Bruce's birthday in March. Yes, but she's sitting closer to the cake, isn't she? And when did this air? Because his is March 19th. Yeah, so this aired on the 26th of March. But they ha- they would have had to film it the um, week before. And in those days, you had to have like film processed. So you wouldn't have, That's true. you know, like yeah. things took longer back then to like go pick up the film and all that stuff. Of course, a total guess. But when I look at that photo, I just think it is like a behind the scenes kind of photo of a cast party they had. My first impression was it was a cast photo for some sort of occasion. Yeah, I think so. I remember Curtis Armstrong, he used to be on Facebook where we could chat with him a little bit more. And um, he would always laugh that we could recognize episodes just based on what Sybil was wearing. You know, to me, it's a little bit of an insight of something that happened outside of the episode. Why he's not happy, I don't know. Um, As Janet says, hang on, this stuffs up everything because it's only for six people and this is going to stuff up the plan. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then Sebastian pipes up saying he's really excited that they're private detectives and then JB Harlan gives him a dirty look saying basically be quiet. (laughs) He doesn't treat him very nicely. So it sounds like by how they talk about him later, he was not a very nice person to deal with. Yes. And I think this time, for the first time in a long time, I really was listening to the dialogue and how they felt about him and how he affected each person and all that stuff. So it made it a little bit more interesting. And I really like how he says, tonight on this train, a murder will occur. Cherish your peace of mind. (laughs) Cherish your peace of mind. Oh, God. That's That's the last time we see poor old JB. No, we don't actually. That's the last time we see him alive. And then um, we get Maddie and David in the dining car. Sebastian is there, but just yeah. over in the corner. And, uh, you know, Maddie, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he says, I didn't mean to get a Shanghai on this train. <laughs> I thought of you, Shauna. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I live in Shanghai. So interesting saying. It is. It's used quite often. It's funny because when people say it, I don't actually think of Shanghai, the place. Oh, yeah. I know. I agree. And um, actually, David says it in another episode. Do you know what episode? <laughs> oh, no, I don't remember what episode he says it again. No. Okay. But i got a feeling you're going to tell me. <laughs> yes. Um, it's between a yuck and a hard place. He wakes up. There's driving in the car and he wakes up and he says, I've been shanghai And she says, you've been sleeping. <laughs> Not that I have the whole series memorized or anything, Grace. (laughs) Oh, never let it be said that Shauna has it memorized. So he's having a nice little chat with Sebastian. Mystery train, mystery meat. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
Um, <laughs> and what's interesting is that he takes a bite out of this sliced breadstick. It's an unusual scene because we don't normally see the characters eat, um, especially David. And then there's Sebastian talking. And then it goes back to David and he takes another bite, but it's a brand new slice. Oh, really? So there's no previous bite in the slice. Yeah, okay, okay, yes. Uh, That's funny. (laughs) Different take. In a way, this episode seemed a little pieced together. There are some kind of things that don't really fit and match up. Yeah, and I'll talk to you about that later, something else I noticed. Yeah, yeah, me too. I don't know if it's the same thing. We'll see. We've talked about in the past when Maddie and David are talking, there's a lot of single shots. I really noticed in this episode, I think just a lot of ways that they were trying to give them a break at this point because they'd probably been filming for months, probably single shots when, you know, the other one wasn't there. And scenes with other people as well. Yeah, exactly. Him talking to Sebastian, her talking to Agnes. It's very obvious to me now. I like the set design in this because the chairs are red and a lot of things in this are red depicting blood because it's a murder train. Yeah, true. That's my impression. You know, when they're um, sitting in the main train cars and there's, you think it's, it has to be. They're not really filming on a train, right? It's a set where like. It's well done though. It's well done because I I did watch it again and watch the background of the moving train. So they've got sunset, they've got buildings, they've got stars. Like there's stars when Rodney and Agnes are in his cabin, there's stars. So it does look real to me. It does look real, but it's it's a yeah, story. definitely has a feel of a train. Like never ever watched it in the past and been like, ah, oh, feels like they're on a set. Definitely feels like they're on a train. So the scene with JB Harlan talking, the camera is really moving uh, jagged. Like they're trying to make it like it's on a train. Okay. That particular scene when it, it's a close up of JB Harland, yeah. the camera is really moving side to side. Trying to give it that real feel. The rest of the scenes, it's just a slight movement. They've got to show that there there has to be a little bit of movement. Otherwise, there's no way a train is that still. Yes. So JB's wife, Janet, and Maddie have a conversation. And she's saying, oh, we almost work together because Janet sells perfume. Anyway, she just makes a point to say that they live in separate houses. And he makes it a point to be in the one that she's not. So why is she on the train? I mean, they do kind of explain, I think, later that, you know, with Sebastian and JB. I don't know it's supposed to be like um, his closest friends, but he doesn't seem to want any of them there, really. <laughs> By her coming on the train, it gives another character a motive to want to kill him. Yeah, that's because true. Because as we find out later, all of them had a motive. It's, yeah. it's, it's seriously an Agatha Christie novel. Yeah, that is true. And here's Maddie having a scene with Janet and then DePesto and Rodney. And him telling her about how he has tested everything for JB and given him all the ideas. Can I just say, I've written a note here that I really wish they had have done more episodes with more players in it. I know you can't do a murder train each week. No. But this episode I found was interesting, you know, an interaction with all the characters, having more people involved. It would have given them more of a break too. I know you would have had to come up with storylines for more people. I mean, it, it's hard because as we know, and as we feel all the time, you know, anytime there are scenes with other people, you just want Sybil and Bruce back on screen. I think Glenn just knew that, but they could have done like a murder mystery dinner. 
a couple seasons later, they could have done something like that where it's like mm-hmm. similar to this, but a dinner in someone's house where someone ends up killed and they have to try to figure it out. I don't know. I don't know. We just didn't get that. You know, it's like Maddie and David are like on an island together most of the time. And Janet said that she was almost, because she owns the Magic Night perfume yeah, and Maddie right. was up for the Magic Night girl. And then she says that JB proposed to her, but she didn't accept the proposal because he was drunk on Cavorsier. She didn't want a drunk proposal. She wanted a sober proposal. So I had to yeah. look up and see what the hell is Cavorsier. It's a cognac. Yeah. It's a brand that was founded in 1835. Yes. I used to bartend, so I did know. It's a lovely bottle. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Yes. So she wanted a sober proposal. Yeah. We have these kind of short conversations happening with people, little um, snippets of scenes, getting to know some of the characters a little bit better and how they're connected. And then we go back to a scene with Maddie and David in the train car. And she's sitting at the table and he's sitting by the window and he's trying to warm her up and she's being very cold to him. And she says something. He says, I love it when you talk mean to me. Yeah, he loves that. He He absolutely loves it. With David Addison, it's water off a duck's back. It's like, no worries. You say what you like. He kind of likes to piss her off, I think, to like warm her back up. It's kind of a game with them or something. Did we talk about Agnes and Rodney making the drink? That's before that. We just kind of mentioned how he was telling her how he was JB's tester. I just thought it was a lovely scene between them both, him making a Bunsen burner for her. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's and kind of- one thing oh. I noticed was I'm glad they used real ice. Yeah. <laughs> because there's an episode yeah. of West Wing, which a lot of the West Wing fans often mention, they used fake yeah. ones and they didn't float. So there's a scene of Martin Sheen drinking this drink and the ice is at the bottom. Oh, how funny. It's so weird why they did that. The scenes were long and the days were long and they didn't, the ice was going to melt. So they thought, okay, we'll just use blocks. Right. The fans noticed for sure. Can't get away with that. Then uh, when they cut to Maddie and David and, you know, she doesn't want to talk to him. She's sitting at the table. He's sitting at the couch. She doesn't want to be there with him. And then he says, I love it when you talk mean to me. Okay. Then they cut away. I forget what they cut away to. And they come back to Maddie and David. And suddenly he's sitting at the table with her. My point is the scene is cut weird because he's sitting by the window and she's sitting at the table. They cut away. When they cut back, he's sitting like close to Maddie and her head is in her hands. Like they're having a serious conversation. Did you notice that? Okay, you noticed something different to what I did, and this is why we're a perfect pair. Yeah. This is what I noticed. I know what you're saying because I was going to say to you, this scene was cut to bits. There is something in the middle there that was cut, and I think I know what it is because it's in the straight poop. Ah. It's a blooper. Yeah. Where when you watch this blooper, I'm looking at it, I'm thinking, who's this guy and why are they on the ground? Then I realised it's Skylar Cantrell and do you remember the blooper in the train and they both fall on the ground accidentally? That's the scene that was cut. So whether he had an argument with Skylar. Now, the scene you're talking about, just before it ends, you can just see Skylar at the top end of the scene walking in, but the next scene going back, he's not there. 
So there was definitely a scene cut there, and I would love to know what the scene was. <laughs> right, yes. And in the blooper, they, like, come together and it almost looks like they're going to kiss and they start laughing. Yes, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And they go and they fall on the ground, yes. Yes, and then, okay, so you're right. Oh, this is good. We're piecing things together. Yeah. So there's something, um, maybe there's some kind of scuffle between Bruce and Skylar or whatever. Yeah, something happens, and maybe that's why Maddie's upset, and then Dave is trying to console her. Because her head is in her hands and it makes yeah. no sense. And he's like sitting close to her, like talking. He's like saying something to her. And then they hear a scream and then they go running. So mm. no, you're totally right. Like this was totally cut to bits. I think they had a hard time piecing some of this together. I mean, in the end, it's all fine. But if you watch closely, things don't match up. There's some things missing. Because at the end of that first scene, I think it's where she says, when is this murder supposed to happen? And the scream happens, right? Just yeah. before that scene ends, in the top right-hand corner, you see a shadow of somebody moving, and I'm like, oh, is that a camera? Is that somebody in production, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's a reflection off the bar at the back of the room. Uh-huh. But then okay. you see somebody in a, a black suit walk in. It can only be Skylar. Yeah. So there was obviously a scene between the three of them, but who knows what that was. But you're very good. I didn't notice that David was sitting closer to her when the scene returns to them. Yep. He's using his hand. He's saying something to Maddie yeah, and she's like right. this. Um, yeah. So obviously something happened in that scene. Yes. I had to cut it. And they had to cut it and or cut around it or, yeah, something something happened. Maybe for once this episode went over instead of under. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> like maybe. when they say. <laughs> say it. The network says tonight's show is too short. The network says every show has to be one hour long, not 59 minutes, not 61 minutes, 60 minutes long, and we're a minute short. Great. Now the whole world knows. Yeah, I have a feeling just watching it that this was a tough episode. <laughs> and they're getting towards the end of the season, and I think it's a lot of long hours and stuff, and I think they had to keep coming up with ideas, and I think they had to kind of piece a lot of it together or something. Hmm. Plus, I think Bruce and Sybil, in Scott Ryan's book, Glenn was saying that um, by the end of season one, Bruce and Sybil were already like at each other's throats and he had to sit them down and tell them that they had to get along, right? So this kind of episode, when you're looking closely, kind of shows some of those cracks, I think. I think Glenn desperately trying to give them a break while coming up with a good story, while piecing everything together. If it's long days, they, they couldn't ask him to like reshoot anything. They're all in Agnes's room now and... Skylar's being quite nasty as you know I love his character I just love Skylar's character he's so he just yep. hates everybody I love it yeah <laughs> you know what he's honest about it he calls yeah. a spade a shovel you know that's the way <laughs> it is he's not afraid to say it and David says oh this guy catches flies with his tongue <laughs> <laughs> such a good line yep and then Sebastian suggests a game and um, Skylar says, I like it, I like it. And another thing I noticed a lot of, Janet has always got a glass in her hand. Mm. Even when they're trying to solve a mystery, even when they're, they're running into the cabin, you'd think she would have just rested it on the table and then come in there. No, she's walking around with a glass. <laughs> Alcoholic, but that's okay. Yeah, yeah, kind of a throwback there to the 40s or something. Skylar's saying, well, we need somebody who's not connected to it, somebody without a motive. David says somebody without luggage. Somebody without luggage, yeah. <laughs> and then he says something really rude to Maddie. He goes, David, I don't think, and he goes, it's okay, you look good. Excuse me? And she looks at him like, what? 
It's like I know. Oh it took her like five seconds to realize what he said. Yep, yep. And he'd already gone past it. Otherwise, she probably would have kicked his shin. And there's too many people present, so she couldn't kick his shin in this situation. Yeah, I guess she couldn't abuse him too much in the moment. She'll save it for later, I'm sure. And when Maddie realizes that JB Harland is covered in magic night, they yeah. all start sniffing him, right? And David thinks, oh, yeah, it's, oh, is there a freezer on the train and everything? But what I noticed was there's a camera shot of them sniffing, <laughs> trying to sniff the body. And there's Skylar, Rodney, Agnes in the shot sniffing. Yeah. And then there's the next shot of Maddie saying he's covered in it, but Agnes has disappeared in the next shot. She's not there. So many, yeah, so many editing issues. So Agnes is gone. All right. <laughs> yeah, she's gone. See ya. But then she's back in the next shot. Yeah, that's funny. And I love the physical comedy of Rodney and Sebastian trying to get out the door. It's it's really obvious Sebastian had plenty of room to get out, but he's making out that they're trying both to get out first. Did you see that? Yeah. No, I didn't see that. It's really good because the camera is outside the train. It's a good shot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, one of David's kind of classic lines when JB is covered with Magic Knight, Janet's perfume, and um, David goes, the mind reels. <laughs> he has to bring it down a level, doesn't he? I know every time, every time. Leave it, leave it to David to make lewd suggestions. Yes. But yeah. what was the innuendo, or what? What were they? I mean, not innuendo. I know what the innuendo was. But did Janet and JB have sex? No. Rodney has put it on him. Oh, to throw off to the throw scent. Off. Yeah, to throw off the scent. Um. No pun intended. <laughs> Shauna, you're hilarious. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Next Stop Murder Part 1. Stay tuned next week for Next Stop Murder Part 2. Well, until next time. I'm Grace. And I'm Shauna. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening to, to Moonlighting, Moonlighting the Podcast. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.